0: Rumor or reality? And I want to tell you as I begin about a lady whose name is Margaret Siders. She died at the age of 92. And uh, the last 20 years of her life, she was a familiar figure uh, seen daily in the downtown area of Shreveport, Louisiana. Now this was several years ago, but it was the article was captured, it was captured in a newspaper. So she pulled a little red wagon around through the streets, sifting through trash cans to find edibles as well as clothing, uh, discarded clothing. She had lived alone in a small tin house, T-I-N. Uh, that's just a metal roof. Uh, house in, in, in Louisiana, and since her husband's death uh, six years earlier, that's the way she lived. Doesn't it sadden you when you hear stories like that? What does it make you think about when you hear uh, this story of a, a woman like uh, Margaret who <coughs> wandered in the streets and lived off of edibles, leftovers, people's scraps. How does it make you feel inside when you think about how she lived? Now, when authorities entered her home looking for clues of next of kin, they also made an interesting discovery. A police detective, she had befriended her and shared with the other officers a suspicion that she had. When you go in, she said, um... When you go in, make sure that um, you keep your eyes open looking for more than a name and a phone number. And she led the group in and um, went room to room. And, but it was in the bedroom that rumor became reality. This detective reached inside of a hole that was in the woman's mattress She pulled out several bank books and the cumulative total of those bank books was $250,000 she had in her bank account in her name. Now how do you feel once you've heard the full story? What emotions come to your mind when you consider how she chose to live when she possessed so much more? Before you come down hard, however, on Miss Siders, does her story remind you of your own? I don't mean literally. I haven't seen any of you wandering around the streets pulling a little red wagon. I'm, I'm talking about something that can't be revealed in a bank book. However, another book does come to mind. Inside this book are the riches of an account that has your name on it. And I wonder if you're walking in full possession of what God has provided for you. Do you live your life in light of what you possess? Or do you live in denial as Ms. Siders did? Does your spiritual life reflect more rumor than reality? Now I know if you were here last Sunday it sounds like these two messages bind together really well and they do actually because I talked a lot last Sunday uh, when I used, titled the message Bulletproof that uh, we're not walking in what we possess. So you're correct if you think they line up pretty well but This message has a little bit different twist to it. So I want to take you down this lane and I want to begin by looking at your account statement. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Now I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. You can follow along if you wish, but what I have for you is the Passion Translation and it's a really good version of these verses. It's a little wordy, but... Um, it makes it so beautiful, I want you to catch the whole of it. Here it is, every spiritual blessing. I tell you what, you're going to get to sit down for a long while now because I'm going to be preaching for a long while. So why don't you stand with me as we read the Word? I want you to pay attention to this Word. I want this Word to get into your ears, into your heart, into your spirit today. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. As a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all our hearts. We just celebrated Him in song and worship. And in love, He chose us. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm chosen. Before he laid the foundation of the universe, because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Come on, somebody, give praise because you have an unstained innocence. He provided it for you. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus he has for us. (laughs) And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. God takes pleasure in you. Since we are now joined to Christ, We have been given the treasures of redemption by His blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of His grace. This super abundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in uh, all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. You've got an inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Come on, say hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to make this word work its work. Hallelujah. In all our hearts, amen. Amen. Now this is a spiritual reality that I want you to recognize first today. A spiritual reality, but it's more than a spiritual reality, it's your spiritual reality. It's not just out there in the generic sense that this exists. Listen to me, if you're born again child of God, this is your spiritual reality, Having read this, however, I concluded there are a lot of people in church all over the world today that are just like Miss Siders, trailing around their little towns, drawing a little wagon, picking up scraps from the leftovers of somebody else. The story of Miss Siders is tragedy, no doubt, but mostly because it's true. That was a true story. I didn't just make that's not some preacher's story made up. But her tragedy is no worse than ours. You get that, right? It's no worse than ours. We have a king with riches beyond compare, and yet we live spiritually speaking, poverty-stricken. Let the devil beat us up. Every little temptation, we fall flat on our faces when God has made a plan and put it in place. You could walk upright before him. He made it possible. Most believers act like spiritual bums, street people or the impoverished. That's how most of us live our lives. Don't excuse yourself. Not excusing myself. (laughs) When I recognize what God's done for me, I'm not living where I want to be yet. I'm not up to that level I want to be at yet. I haven't raised anybody from the dead yet. I'm working on it. In light of what God has provided for us, we are spiritually collecting aluminum cans or begging for money at red lights. Let me put some meat on these bones or this idea for a bit. Make it personal for your life. How do you respond when difficulties arise? Are you more prone to say God is way bigger than this? are more likely to say, why me, Lord? You answer the question. Don't don't raise your hand. Why me, Lord? Why do I got to go through this? Perhaps you're just content to whine a little bit. Whining and complaining are signs of the spiritually impoverished. It's just one way of of, of of admitting where you're living it's it's your little wagon behind you I don't know why I got to go through this Jesus digging in the trash heap perfect signs of one who has hidden their prosperity in their mattress How many times have you found yourself digging in the world's dumpster? What do you mean, preacher? When you think what I need is a new job, that will solve my problems, you're digging in the world's dumpster. I ain't done yet. If I just had a better car, that would fix it. And I'm not putting down having nice things. I have nice things. I like nice things. That's not what this is about. The problem lies in our focus. Where are you centering yourself on? If you think having a good job is going to fix it, you're sadly mistaken. You're digging in the world's dumpster when you rely first on your job or anything else for that matter rather than God. This is going to hurt a little bit. I know I'm preaching to the choir, especially right now. Probably a couple people watching, however, is going to hurt a little bit. You're thinking I have to get a second job. I understand I should be in church on Sundays. You've lost your focus. I I know. I know that's hard. And you're thinking, I've had enough of this preacher, and this may be the last message you listen to of mine. I got to help you refocus. You're looking to that job to solve your problems, and you've lost your focus. You're going to find yourself, you're going to have to find more garbage cans to dig in than your job because it'll never solve those problems. It'll never fix it. Until we learn how to actually believe God's word, we're going to walk spiritually impoverished. You're holding the beggar's cardboard sign whenever you opt for the temporal solutions without gratitude for what you own in the internal. Stop chasing the temporal solutions. Having a brand new car is not going to fix all of your troubles. I just made more money every week. I would solve it. <laughs> You've got it backwards. You know what's going to solve it? Walking in the riches of God's grace, believing that God's word is for real, putting him first. You hear us talk, pretty much every time we take an offering, we try to give you the the truths of God's word as it relates to sowing and reaping. You cannot deny what the word says about sowing and reaping. You cannot get around it in life. That's a message that you get outside of this building. Sowing and reaping. Listen, I have a garden in my backyard. If I want collard greens, I got to plant seed in the ground that is from a collard green. And if I want lots of collard greens, I'm putting lots of seed in the ground. But if I only want one plant, one day, that gives me about a good tablespoon, then that's what I plant, and that's what I get. Stop sowing to the things of the world. Start sowing to the kingdom of God. This isn't just about money. If you think that it's easy for me to speak of money, but it's more than money, when I talk about not working on a Sunday because you choose to make God first in your life, it becomes God's business to take care of you the rest of the time. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to work. I mean, God doesn't appreciate laziness. I'll tell you that straight up. Without Compromise or excuse? God doesn't appre- He doesn't operate in laziness. He never did. Jesus now? Ne- do you do you know how much Jesus gave of himself? Sound like I was thirteen years old and struggling with my voice. <laughs> yeah, oh, I. <laughs> Forgive me, all of you 13-year-old young men especially. You'll learn how to talk with a good deep voice and it'll all come out in the end. God doesn't operate from a standpoint of laziness. He expects you to sow, sow hard and go hard. You go hard for him and he replenishes your storehouse. And I mean that in every area. I need to move on. Don't go after temporal solutions. In our lives, here's another area where we're going to struggle in this. We can reflect more rumor than reality because of sin and poor choices. Uh, I'll take you to a passage of Scripture. Matthew 26, 14 to 16 puts it this way. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests. And asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. A couple verses later, verse 20. And when, he was, when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed. Each one asked him in turn, am I the one, Lord? Now I want to go down a couple of lanes with this. I want you to consider first that uh, Judas was with Jesus three years. So when you consider if somebody that you love and care about turn their backs on you, walked away from you, hurt you, did damage to you on some level. I'm talking to you about Jesus now. So listen to me when I say this. Understand this fact first. Judas didn't join with Jesus with the intent to betray him. Don't excuse it on any other count. Like Jesus knew that this guy was the guy and he had to pick him out specifically. When Judas joined the ranks of the disciples, he was fully committed like all the others were. But he had a problem in his heart because he lost focus. Everything I'm now preaching to you This is not a. Now, he did get lost on finances, right? 30 pieces of silver, he sold Jesus to him for that. And that that would have made him what was considered rich at that moment. That was a a good uh, gift to him. And obviously, a strong enough temptation that he walked down the path, and ultimately, it destroyed him because of his lack of focus. But, but, but why did I go down this path? is because I want you to know that none of you are as good as Jesus, but somebody walked right out on him. None of you. I mean, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> and so if somebody turns their back on me, I, I, I'm not as good as Jesus. And Jesus never hurt anybody. He only gave them, I mean, Judas was there when Jesus raised the dead. He was there. Judas witnessed these things that Jesus did. So if somebody turns their back on you and walks out on you, remember, somebody walked out on Jesus. And by the way, Reuben, I do want you to hang out for the end. Be prepared for that. The living reality of the eternal. I want you to see this. Back in Ephesians, just the first, or the three through the sixth verse, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with our, all our hearts. And in love he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. I read those verses again to you because I want you to understand what we cast off when we as believers ignore what Christ has done for us. It's what we cast off. All of that beauty and wonder that I just read in those four verses. What a heavenly blessing. He lavished his grace on us. He didn't just give us a dab. You know, when you lavish something on somebody, you're giving them everything you can. Did any of you ever... Yeah, you, some of you won't even admit that you used to do this, but you used to go out trick-or-treating. Did you ever go to a house where they were done for the night and they just poured it, gave you the whole, all that was left over? Because they were like tired and I want to go to bed and they're, they're like, yeah, here you go. And you're like, come on, Rick. That's lavishing. (laughs) And that's what Jesus has done for us. He's poured his glorious grace. The words that you just heard me read read were cascading over us, just like a waterfall cascades down. His, His love, his mercy, his grace is just cascading down on us. You were chosen, chosen to be adopted as one of his children before the creation of the world because of Christ this according to his pleasure his will his desire his design he wanted to lavish his love on you and you thought you found the lord you thought you you were your little pea brain told you you found the lord He had a plan for you before you were born. He was always looking, reaching, ever searching for you. And all it took from you is a heartfelt yes. Now how do you feel when you consider one who chooses to live an impoverished life when treasures are possessed? Let me read it from the word again. This is the same chapter in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, though, "Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by His blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of His grace." Total cancellation. You know how, you remember when you used to erase things on your paper, but you couldn't get it all off? His is total cancellation, as if they never, ever existed. And listen, he says in his word, we have been given this. You can't work this thing up. Look at your neighbor and tell him God marked you when you believed. He marked you when you believed. Let me go down a few more verses. This is still Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the last part. I want you to catch this. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. God has people and you are it. God says of you, these are my people. You'd say in your Family gathering, these are my peeps. But I wonder if you're remembering and, and living in your heavenly reality. Are you remembering and living in your heavenly reality? How often are you letting the devil beat you up for your mess Is it possible that you're living in denial? Y'all got time for another story. I'm going to tell you another story. Pastor Amy and I have, have a Mrs. Siders in our life. We have, when we were here, and I was an assistant to the pastor back in 86, between 86 and 91, and we were probably, well... In that, we were in our later 20s at that point. And, and a lady that would come to our church because we had service on, at that time is when you had church on Sunday night. and We had church on Sunday nights. She went to her church on Sunday mornings and she called that church her church even though she came to our church more often than her church. But anyway, she grew, grew to love us and she, she lived in a large home in Fountain Hill. And it was a big two-story home, and she was by herself and 88 years old. Still bright in her brain and, and capable of, of essentially everything. However, she was one of those people, and some of you ladies do this. Uh, we don't, thank the Lord. But some of you ladies do this in your households, but she would change her window dressings winter and summer. So there was, a, there was like a, a spring window and then there was a fall window coverings. And, and so she had, I'm sorry guys, if I'm making, I'm sorry guys, I may have ruined it for a few of you. See, I told you we were supposed to be doing that. Now we got to buy all new shades, all new, and so this is an older home and so she asked if I'd be willing, because she learned to she gained we had gained her trust, asked if I would go over and just help her with these. And and I did that the first time and it took about six hours. She actually paid me to do that work. And and yeah, she had a big home and there were a lot of windows. And I had to clean the windows too. <laughs> while I was at it. Get the screens out of the the basement and wash them up. and <laughs> It was a day's work. And, and, and then she invited Pastor Amy to come. And if she would just change all the bed sheets and clothes, all of that stuff and wash them and bring And so it became an, a semi-annual, you know, just twice a year. I don't think that's semi-annual. But anyway, you know what I mean. Twice a year, we would come and do these things, right? And so, Pastor Amy was doing her bed clothes. She pulled the sheet off of her bed, and there were holes in the sheet. And so, in, in the process of all of this cleaning and work, Pastor Amy's in her closet, there's a new set of sheets in her closet. And she brings the new sheets cuz she assumes she doesn't know she has these new sheets. But she looked at Pastor Amy in the eye and said, "No, nah, I know those sheets are there. I'll save them for another time." You're 88 years old woman. What are you saving them for? You're not going to take them to heaven. (laughs) And in this process, again, we had gained her trust. We loved this. I I still, I think so fondly of her. She was a beautiful woman of God. And Lutheran, by the way. That was her church. (laughs) But she came over to our church Anyhow, in this process, at some point, she shows us her bank books. She actually shows us her bank books. And yes, there was $200,000 in her bank account. And she's sleeping in holy sheets. $200,000 in her bank account. She's 88 years old. What's she going to do? But I say all that, and yes, it's humorous, but are we any different? The reality is for most of us as believers, like I preached last week, we're not living in what we could live in. We're eating at McDonald's when we could be enjoying the melt. Say it. Go ahead, Albert. Used to work there. <laughs> that brother can cook, by the way. Just, just throwing that out there. He married a woman that can cook too. But man, uh, I had some lamb chops. Mmm. I'm still remembering those, brother. They don't. Really, they didn't just taste good. They looked good. He put them up in a, you know, and whatever. They stand up like that and. All decorated, purdy. Let me bring this thing to a conclusion for you guys. Does your spiritual life reflect more rumor than reality? Miss Siders appeared to be impoverished, even detestable by many. Hindsight tells us that she was by no means poor, but she chose to live the way she chose to live it, and it was never disclosed obviously she died why she chose to live the way why did she choose to live in a tin house when she could have had a mansion somewhere in Shreveport Louisiana or at least a wonderful nice home her life was certainly more rumor than reality she would have been looked on as a loser one of society's outcasts. But I wonder if we're really willing to assess how we're living day in and day out based on this. So compare this to yourself. Does your spiritual life reflect more rumor than reality? You want to get that video ready or... For me and Reuben, you can prepare yourself while we're watching the video. Does your spiritual life reflect more rumor than reality? Are you really living as a child of the king? I'm talking about the king of kings. Are you operating like God is someone you can have complete and total confidence in? George, um, when Ruben gets up here, he's going to be playing Nicole's guitar. Have you accepted others' scraps as your main course? Because that's what we do in church. We dine on the leftovers of others. Sometimes at others' expense the people who are willing to get up early and go pray at the church the people that are willing to fast and seek the face of god we sit comfortably in church i know this hurts i know this hurts but i'm going to tell you the truth whether you enjoy it or not that that you sometimes you you get to enjoy things that many have sought and fought the devil and the powers of darkness in order for you to enjoy when you come through these doors There are some things, by the way, though, that I nor anyone else can do for you. You. You have to, by your intent, sow the right seeds in the right place at the right time. So let's have it, Raina. You've heard this before. Hear it again. This will bless you at your core. S.M. Lockridge is the preacher Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, give the King of Kings some praise this morning. Come on, give him praise. I don't think he's on in the house. Do you got to turn something on here? What does he got to turn on, this little box? You got to find the box. All right, if you say so. I'm going to sing a song that I think will bless you. And it's okay, because I can do it a cappella, and I can hear you fine. So, The windows of heaven are open. The blessings are falling tonight. There's joy, joy, joy in my heart since Jesus made everything right. I gave up my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. And I'm feasting on manna from heaven. And that's why I'm happy tonight. The windows of heaven are open. The blessings are falling tonight. There's joy, joy, joy in my heart since Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. And I'm feasting on manna from heaven. And that's why I'm happy tonight. I want to sing it once more. The windows of heaven are open. The blessings are falling tonight. There's joy, joy, joy in my heart. Since Jesus made everything right. I gave him I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. And I'm feasting on manna from heaven. That's why. And that's why I'm happy tonight. I wonder if you're living in that. He exchanged your old tattered sin garments with a robe of pure white because of his shed blood you have full-on redemption as if you had never sinned. But it's not, it's not confined to just that folks because I want you to know that you have a redeemer who has, you have a deliverer. He's unstoppable. And there's nothing the enemy can throw at you that he can't throw off you. And I want you to walk that out. So, do this for me. If you don't mind, in one moment of reality, if you're willing to admit, I haven't been living in what I know I possess lift those hands up today just lift them up i haven't been living in what i know i possess what i know is fully mine i haven't been walking it out now father you see our hands and god i ask you to help every man woman and young person that's in this building this afternoon that's standing in this moment god i ask that you pour your spirit on them I ask God that you help them. I ask that you encourage them, sweet Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you help them to understand and get into your word so that they know what they already have possession of, what you've already made possible for us, God. Help us to walk that way. Instead of digging around in trash heaps and and dumpsters for clothing that is somebody else's that's already been worn out. God, we'll get our own good meal and good food, good good raiment, Lord Jesus, that you provided for us. Help us to walk that way in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're rich. Now act like it. Love you guys. Look forward to seeing you next Wednesday night. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website www.centralfamily.net or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.